I'm Dan. And I'm Alice. And we're going to be talking about the ancient Egyptian creation story. So I should mention that Egypt lasted way long, far longer than we can even conceive. I mean, didn't it last 3,000 years, which is like longer than our entire 80 period? Yeah. Like BC it's like, period? Yeah. It's like forever. People think that Europe is old. Like, man, Egypt is like... It's got nothing on Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> so the point is, there are like lots of different versions of events. My version that I'm going to tell today is probably going to be a little different than any that you may have heard of. You know, I'm obviously doing my best and I can't tell every single story because I... We would be here for centuries. Yeah, I'm not about that life. So, this is one of the stories and most of the others are at least, like, similar. So Fair enough. Should be all good. <laughs> Quick review of the terms that I'm making y'all learn. So separation, just of different like parts of the earth, the universe and stuff, you know, usual. Succession, usually of power, the ascension of man over woman, and of course, dragon slaying, most important part of the story, the action. Nice. Yeehaw. So as a disclaimer, as I already said, I'm telling a version that I kind of got, so it might be a mix of a couple, but like... It's a version. I've done my best. <laughs> anyway, so once upon a time, there was a mound that grew out of the primeval waters. This was filled with all of the procreative energy needed to make life. This mound was personified into the god Tatanen whose name translates to Risen Land. You know, pretty apt. I'd say so. Yeah. Where this mound rose up, it's up for debate, because like every major religious center was just like, ah, this is where the mound was created and stuff, and you are all wrong, and it's obviously here, we're at the most sacred play. This sounds like the debate of Christianity versus the Christian scientists, and they said, okay, we figured out Jesus was born, and when he was crucified, and Christianity was like, no, we want to keep our stolen pagan holidays. We stole these from the pagans. We want these dates. <laughs> yeah, that's just how it be sometimes. I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to focus on the story from Heliopolis. So the first god to appear was Atu. My okay. accent doesn't work well with this. I apologize, everyone. So he creates twins Shu, who was air, and Tefnut, who was moisture, in a way that I won't describe in a family-friendly podcast. We like to keep it PG here. Yeah. I also was really grossed out reading it, and I don't want to recite it ever, and I don't want to read it ever again either. So, great news, guys. Worst assignment to give to the absolute staunch ace. Haha! <laughs> <laughs> the twins coupled up because the Greeks can't win the incest contest. So they have Geb, who's the earth, and Nut, who is the sky. These two are together because, as previously stated, the gods just lust for their siblings, I guess. Of course. There's no one else? I don't know. This is another example of the sacred marriage that I mentioned in the last two, I believe, where it's just a union between the earth and sky. Yeah. Atum was like, that's illegal, even though his own kids were together. You know, mythology, yes. weird. The interfamily favoritism is strong. <laughs> yep. In some stories, this was like raw rather than Atum, but I'm not totally sure. Depends on the version. Yeah. Problem is, there's no atmosphere if Geb and Nut are together, so he had Shu, 
separate them by hoisting Nut above him and standing on Gev. Rough <laughs> man, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so Nut is pregnant, though, and Atum is unreasonably angry at them. So he's like, now you're not allowed to give birth on a single day of the year. And I thought I was petty. <laughs> eh. What is it with mythological men forcing women to be perpetually pregnant? You gotta get your power fixed somehow, eh? Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> guys, why are you like this? Thoth, who's the god of wisdom and was good friends with Nut. So he ended up gambling with the moon, Konzu, for more time. I mean, me as the god of wisdom. So he won five extra days and added them to the end of the year so that she could give birth. I would like to add that it's really interesting that there are 365 days of the year and there are 360 degrees in the circle. And I think that that's why the Egyptians actually hmm. said that these extra five days are added at the end of the year. That makes sense. this is why it's not quite the same as a circle. Fair enough. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Anyway, <laughs> Nut has five kids, a kid for each day. Fair enough. Yeah. Convenience. Very convenient. So there's Osiris, the god of order. You may also know him as kind of the god of the dead. Horus, god of many things, but most notably like kingship and the sky. Set or Seth, the god of disorder. Every Seth I've met in my life has matched that description to a T. Fair enough. Isis, the goddess of life and magic. And Nephthys, who had different interpretations, but generally she was linked to air and ether, or considered sort of a dark version of Isis, and thus associated with the dead. It's kind of like how Set is the opposite of Osiris. Since Nephthys is the wife of Set, then they kind of do balance sort of thing. Yeah, that mm -hmm. makes sense. So from all those five, then everything else came into being. To be honest, I'm a little unclear of where Ra comes from, but at least one story has him come from the mound, so I've decided to call him a child of Tatanen, because otherwise I have no idea where he comes from. Ra is the god of the sun. He's considered like the embodiment of good and order, which honestly, I'm just gonna say kudos to Egyptians for idolizing the sun, because I don't even live in a desert, and I curse the sun every day of summer as well as many days of spring and fall as well. <laughs> In one story, Apophis, who's the god of chaos, forms when one god spits into primeval waters. There are different origin stories, but I'm going to describe this one because it's funny. Also, his name means one who is spat out. I mean, that's just parents naming their kids in the 21st century these days. Yeah, it's like, on the one hand, that's rough, buddy. On the other hand, that's like, really funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> but he's the opposite of raw, because there cannot be good without evil. You know. I mean, I just think he's salty about his name personally, but, you know. You know, we stand a chaos god. I, <laughs> I get it. I get it, guys. I'd want to get revenge on my name, too. Yeah. It's just how it be sometimes. Anyway, he's like a serpent that lurks in the duet, which is essentially the Egyptian underworld. Again, with that evil being serpentine there. It's possible that Genesis actually took the serpentine from the uh, Egyptians because the Egyptians were pretty strong for a very, very long time. Yeah, so... that does make sense. And there was the whole thing with, you know, Jewish slaves and the whole you know, yeah. probable cultural integration before the whole let my people go situation, so. Yeah, I think that people are also kind of preconditioned to be scared of snakes so that they don't die. You so, know, there's that. Yeah. Instincts. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Ra travels through the Duat every night, so he has to fight off Apophis, who is waiting for him and, like, straight up trying to off him every night. You know, like you do. <laughs> so Ra has to fight and defeat him every single night because Apophis is indestructible, basically. So the win is, like, never final. Ah, so me fighting my procrastination. Oh, mood? Apophis is cut to pieces like tons of times, but he always reforms and is ready to fight by the time that Ra comes back around. But the thing is, if either of them prevailed, then everything would be irrevocably changed, and basically the whole world would be thrown, like, out of whack. So basically the idea of Star Wars, only, you know, there's someone who's actually good in the story. I feel like they call it less, like, good versus evil and more just order versus chaos. Like, Which is fair, yeah. Yeah, and obviously you want order to win, but I feel like they didn't demonize it as much as we kind of expect them to or choose to think of as... It's less of a god versus Satan and more of just these are both entities and you don't want either of them to totally win, but you would prefer if this one was a little bit more powerful. So, I mean, we saw what happened when the Jedi gained full control of the light side. That worked so well. Yeah, I guess. I understand that this was very garbled, but let's review the four main elements of creation stories and how they're present here. The separation aspect is pretty obvious, as it is with every pantheon with multiple gods. Each god does get their own dominion, and like, there are like so many gods, like way more than I covered. Too many! <laughs> anyway. Succession is also pretty clear, because like, first Atum was the ruler, and then Ra, and then Horus, after some light blackmail from Isis, where she poisons him with a snake bite and only agrees to save him if he names Horus the king. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, that's just how it be sometimes, I don't know. In this, there isn't super much ascension of male over female, because there aren't really goddesses who have like, a super powerful throne. Of course. Yeah, I mean, obviously some of the females are, like, more powerful than some of the other ones, but Like still... Isis? Yeah, there's still, like, a power dichotomy where it's... Mm. Isis doesn't ask to become the god. She asks for Horus to become the king. As any respectable woman should. Sibling? <laughs> They're all siblings. Yeah, see, the thing is, in some stories, it's like they're siblings. In other stories, Horus is the son of Isis and Osiris. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not totally sure what's going on there. Anyway, there's like the clear distinction between the powers of the guys and the gals, you know, as usual. And then like with dragon slaying, I am going to put that onto the slaying of Apophis. It's not like permanent, However, he is fought against and won against perpetually. And, That's fair. Yeah, and personally, I like think I find this fight more honorable than fighting against something and just killing it completely because there is some element of like it's going to come back, like you're going to have to do the same thing again tomorrow and the day after and on and on and on. And so like eventually most people would be like, all right, can we just like end the status quo, guys? I mean, I can't even overcome my procrastination for a full school year, so I don't even know how this guy's still going. Uh, he's neurotypical, obviously. Ah, uh, makes sense. Yeah. 
you do need to get over a certain amount of hopelessness in order to like continue with this cycle. And I'd also like to add, if I were an ancient Egyptian who subscribed to this belief and the solar eclipse happened, I would literally believe it to be the end of days because it would mean <laughs> that Apophis escaped from the duat and had been able to like eat the sun. I would be having eight different heart attacks. <laughs> Oh no! Oh, time to die. I'd be like, ah, so I guess Ra is dead and everything is lost. So, that was the general story of creation from ancient Egypt. But I'm sure if you looked it up, you'd find like 80 other different versions, which is very wild, but also understandable because they lasted a very long time. Just, you know, a few thousand years. Yeah around longer than Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll be moving from the Middle East to Europe with Norse mythology. Thank you for listening. And catch you next time.